Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. we got some football to get to this morning. Thursday morning, Life of Riley. You know how it works. Uh, but first, we're going to start with a little basketball this morning. Bojan Bogdanovic. What do you know about him? And what do you know about Dante Exum? Trying to bounce back, get healthy, be the guy. We see the flashes of potential, and the, we see that, but we haven't seen anything sustain over a long period of time because he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. And Bogdanovich comes in here with high expectations. There's going to be sitting in the corner, and if you leave him, he's going to make shots. The floor is going to be wide open. The finishing lineup the Jazz should put out there, man, they ought to they ought to score and score and score some more. All right, here are Bogdanovich and Exum with the media on media day on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Boyan, uh, coming to the Jazz, uh, what what do you guys bring to the table in terms of offensive and defensive versatility? I think first of all we bring uh, we bring our our characters. I mean, when you are signing some players, you are not looking just to sign the good players. You ask a little bit uh, to other other teams and players how this guy is in, in the locker room. So I think that that we bring that to table and then. Our, our playoff experience also. I think that every other player that signed with the Jazz this summer bring, bring playoff experience. So I think that for this, this group of guys, it's going to be huge to, to have the, this, this, this season. Oh, Jan, we, we talked to you when you first signed here, but what, what has your summer been like since then? I mean, it's been a, a long summer for me because... I didn't have my my national team, so I kind of try try to work on my game, improve individually. So, like I said, it's been a long summer, my first summer off, but uh, but I really rested mentally and, and physically. So I hope that that's gonna help me for the for upcoming season. I mean, every single player can improve in all aspects of the game. So I I really work on my my ball handling, like. I tried to improve my defense, so I worked on my on my slides, improve my my legs, so all kind of different stuff actually. Uh, Dante, how's the recovery going, and where are you mentally right now? Uh, the recovery's been good. Um, you know, it's been a, a long off season. You know, it's not how anyone wants to spend their off season rehabbing, but um, you know, feeling really good. Um, yeah, no, I, I can't complain. I'm just ready to, you know, start you know, training camp. Um, you know, as we said, we've got a good group of guys, guys that are, you know, wanting to work and wanting to get better and learn the system. Boy, on you're known for your versatility. Is there a skill set you feel like you haven't shown in the NBA yet that you have? You just haven't had a place to use it. I think that uh, during the when Victor gets goes down and uh, last last season I started to play a little bit more more pick and roll so I showed the people that I can I can put a ball on a on the floor as well so that's the that was also my goal this summer to to improve like I said ball handling pick and rolls reading the the situation so I hope that I will have a chance to, to run a lot of pick and rolls this season as well Boyan, kind of down those same lines, you obviously took on a very different role last season when, when Victor went down, different than what it will be this season here with several other primary ball handlers on the team. Is that a challenge for you at all to kind of try and fit in with a group that's asking different things of you? 
I think that every every single season is is challenge for for all of us. I mean, I think that uh, the great great player got to be great in every every situation. So you gotta you gotta find your role. I know that uh, I won't have a same number of shots like I had uh, last season with uh, with the Pacers, especially when when Victor went down. But that's that's our. That's my quality. I think to fit in, uh, to fit in a system, to fit in a in situation that I'm that I'm put in. So no matter no matter how many shots or no matter how many minutes I'm going to play this season, I'll try to be to be best on the court and uh, best teammates in, uh, in the locker room, of course. Boy, I know this might seem a little obvious, but uh, like an obvious question. But you've been on playoff teams in the past. Um, what's the hunger for you to, to go from being on just a playoff team that gets the first or the second round to, to one that has that breakthrough to, that, that, to be kind of a championship contender? I'm really, really excited to be part of this team. This is probably the best team that I that I ever been part of. So I'm, I'm still long season in front of us, but we are all looking to playoffs of, of course and then first question I don't know who asked me about uh, about what we bring to the table so we bring experience Mike Mike only is, is veteran is this in, in this league he's been in, through a lot of lot of playoffs so so I hope that that's gonna that's gonna help us to to go deep in a, in a playoffs this season. Dante, as you're getting back to this season and hopefully a healthy season, what do you want your role to be in this new look jazz that's got literally half the team is going to be new and you're one of the remaining kind of elder statesmen for the jazz? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, one of the, the biggest goals for me coming into this season is, you know, having an open mind. Um, you know, obviously we got a really deep team um, and where I fit into that is going to be, you know, game dependent. Um, you know, I can I can guard one through three. I can play the point. You know, it's what, I, what I've been able to do. But, you know, I, I can also run the floor. Um, and that's a game, uh, some, a part of my game that I really want to add this year um, and just being a threat in transition. Um, so, you know, you know, if that's me and Mike playing, um, you know, me and Emmanuel playing, and you know, even Joe Ingles likes to bring up the ball a lot. So, um, you know, wherever I can, you know, find those minutes and find the um, um, those advantages that I bring, um, you know, I'm going to. Dante, you look much bigger, stronger physically. Was there a concerted effort put into bulking up a bit more, and, and what was the thought process behind that? If so, yeah, I mean, when you're it's off season and you're you know trying to get better, um, you know, it's, and I'm injured, I was injured. Uh, you know, really, the only thing you can do is lift. So you know, it's something I I really wanted to, and you know, talking to some of the guys that have been around the Jazz, and you know, what made um, some of the past players successful going through a lot of the season is that they were just strong, um, and that was something I just tried to add. Um, you know, just be strong and be able to withstand. You know, not just you know 82 games, but you know over 100 games. Um, you know, and all the practices that come along with it. So. I asked this question to Donovan Rudy earlier, but the Jazz will have an opportunity this year to participate in three games. They'll be prime time in Europe. Um, how how much is it? How important is it for the Jazz to have that exposure to European fans? And how how much does it mean to you that the sport has grown globally as it has over the past few years? 
I mean, means a lot for us in, internationally. I mean, last season you had a defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, an MVP, all from uh, all from Europe. So it's it's huge that that, that NBA it's, it's it's growing and going towards Europe and all internationally. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun and it's gonna be great for the for the fans all around the world to, to see the game in, in the print eyes. Dante, I think both Quinn and Dennis Lindsay said that they're going to use you less as a backup point guard and more as a basketball player. What was that conversation? I mean, how did that conversation get started with them and you? And what does that mean to you? What do you think that means for your role? Yeah, um, you know, like I said, I think, you know, the the position I'm in, I'm a, you know, a tall guard. Um, I can guard, you know, multiple positions. So, you know, why not use me in, you know, wherever I'm needed? Um, you know, that's one of the things I didn't want to kind of get pigeonholed into something. Um, you know, it's going to be a competitive team. You know, I'm trying to fight for minutes and wherever that's at the one, that's at the two, that's at the three even, you know, I'm, I'm going to accept it and I'm going to go in and try and star in that. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, something that I've tried to develop. You know, obviously, you know, every summer it's, you know, a lot about shooting, but, you know, for half the summer I wasn't able to jump. So a lot of it was on my form. So, you know, stepping into that shooting guard role, you know, it's, I think it's going to, you know, be big. Um, but then also, you know, I've still been... You know, working on that ball handling, the vision, you know, understanding the game, um, the sets that we run and, you know, where I can find shots for, you know, a lot of our guys. And, um, you know, I think in the past, a lot of the times, you know, me and Rudy, you know, have worked great um, in, in the pick and roll. Um, and, you know, I definitely want to get back to that. And you know, I think the coaches see that and see that it's worked. So, you know, it's definitely just, you know, wherever I can, you know, I can help. Um, and that's, that's, that's the goal. And I think that's the goal and the mindset of this team that we want to win. Um, and, you know, as, you know, Boyan said that, you know, he's going to do what he can to, you know, help the team, um, whether that's his role. You know, he said, mentioned taking less shots, but, you know, he's a great shooter. You know, he, we're going to need that. And, you know, we want to shoot threes this year. So, you know, I'm definitely trying to step into that, that, to that role. Having said that, Dante, when you are asked to play uh, the point, uh, what are the things that you admired about Mike Conley's game playing against him, and what kind of things can you learn from him or looking forward to learn from him now that you're a teammate? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, he's, he's shifty. Um, you know, that's one thing I've tried to work on. You know, it's, it's hard, you know, not playing, you know, contact for a lot of the summer, but, you know, just working on that shiftiness, you know, keeping my head up, you know, seeing the floor, you know, throughout the whole, whole, whole possession. Um, you know, you know, playing him in the past, he's always good with the fakes and getting in, reading. You know. um, he, he's not, he doesn't have the advantage of being tall, um, taller than a lot of the guys once he gets into the paint. But, you know, he's able to see the corners. He's able to see the pick and roll, um, see the pick and pop. So, um, you know, for me, I need to be able to, you know, learn from him and see how he sees that, um, you know, being his height and then, you know, kind of apply it to my game and, um, you know, try and take it to that next to that next level where I'm finding the best option every time, you know, because that's what he does. Dante, I just want to get kind of a better idea of your availability. Or do you think you'll be playing in the preseason games? Do you think you'll be ready for regular season day one? Kind of, what's your 
current process? Um, you know, at the time, I'll be involved in training camp. Um, you know, it's a, it's a thing, going to be a day-to-day, week-to-week thing that, you know, we go through with the training staff. Um, you know, they've been great this off-season and, you know, putting forward a plan, even though I wanted to, you know, rush it and try and get back on court, you know, as quick as possible. But, um, you know, that's not always the case. Um, but, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be involved in training camp and then I'll just be, um, you know, kind of see how I'm feeling every day and, um, you know, kind of the next steps I can take. There's William Bogdanovich and Dante Exum on Media Day. We're going to take a break. When we come back, college football life of Riley. Riley Nelson, BYU radio analyst, is next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to hear now from Riley Nelson. Uh, we had him on in the show yesterday, but for you early risers, we want to uh, play this. Now, we were talking about uh, J. Drew's comment from a couple days ago when he was talking about um, mediocrity is imminent. We were talking about that, and Riley, before he came on, heard that and wanted to address that. So we'll pick the interview up there. Here's Riley Nelson on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Riley, good morning. Good morning. Good to be with you guys this morning. Yeah, but you'd rather be here after a win over Toledo than after a loss over Toledo because, you know, you could hear in your voice like, now they're going to ask me what went wrong. Man, I hate this. Winning's more fun than losing. <laughs> yeah, that, hey, that is true. I'm not going to deny that. But I was, I was listening to the lead-in on the radio um, about, you know, 4-8 and eight against – or 7-6 seven, seven and six last year looks good against the backdrop of 4-8. and eight. There, There's a – there's an element in here that uh, I think is at least worth some consideration, and that's that when, when you're in a conference, or, or you were just talking about the Jazz, right, making yeah. within divisions and a conference and things like that, you get an even distribution. In other words, you're going to end up in conference play with teams that win zero or none games, teams that win two or three, teams that go about 500, you know, and, and you, you end up every year with an even distribution of that. The challenge with independence is that that distribution is out the window. It's really because it's just a collection of individual programs. It's anybody's guess how strong or how good that program is. So, well, you know, another six or seven weeks on paper, just by looking at the amount of wins looks flat from 2018 to 2019, I think there's a valid argument to be made that it's, that it's actually a step forward, that the same record – because the distribution of teams, and if we objectively look at the strength of this schedule and the strength and the way that this schedule came together, it's significantly harder than last year. So six or seven wins this year is actually a marginal step forward against last year. What do you guys think? Yeah, well, that's, it th- that, they've got to get there first. Uh, you know, they're not there yet, obviously. Yeah, and, no question. And if they had, I'd feel a lot better about what you're saying if they were three and two rather than two and three, and then you put in the backdrop of now another freshman quarterback, uh, similar to last year when the schedule turned what we perceived as softer and probably analytically softer too. They put in the freshman Wilson, and he had fair success, and obviously he finished strong in the bowl game against a team that they were better than. What does Jaron Hall do? I look at it, and I could see what you're saying. To me, 
is the program progressing? Because you really don't want to get caught up, and it's hard to do this, I grant you, get caught up individually on any game, one game, and go nuts either way, you know, because they beat SC. Well, extend Kalani, and I did it too. I'm, I'm, I'm criticizing myself. Let's The program is going in the right direction. All the fans were fired up, blah, blah, blah. It's the greatest moment they've had since they've been independent, basically, or at least in a few years. And so the program is now headed in the right direction. And then you come back a couple of weeks later and you lose to Toledo. Oh, my gosh, man, what are they doing? This program is going down the tubes. So you get caught up in this roller coaster of emotion. You try to step back, Riley, and you say to yourself, is the program going in the right direction? I'm, I'm more shaky than I was this time last week, but I still think it's going in a better direction than it has been the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I, I would say one thing that might help – help not get caught on looking at individual games and let me just uh, basically all i have to say on the toledo game is this is that this team every every game every win or loss is on the spectrum of on the far end you you dominate it and you win soundly or on the other end you get dominated and you lose and you you never had a chance you were outmatched outplayed this byu team thus far in the season and i don't expect this to change even as a schedule, they live in the middle where it's really your some lucky bounces went your went your way and and you were the benefactor of them and you ended up winning the game and then some unlucky bounces went against you and that was the difference in in you losing. As you look at their two wins, they didn't dominate USC, they didn't dominate Tennessee. They kind of hung in there and, and the ball bounced away. Uh, you know, I, with the exception of Washington, which pretty much dominated BYU and, and of course Utah wasn't that close, but still you look at that game and, and wish you wouldn't have given away the two defensive touchdowns. But in this Toledo game, it was that where a couple of unlucky bounces went went against them. Now you could argue, you know, decisions and poor execution or, or some things like that, and, and those are valid, but the, but the reality is over the course of a football game, that's happening with all 11 guys on every single play, and, and so it kind of washes out as your collective effort. So this BYU team, the fans, should realize that like we live on that on that knife's edge that basically every game is going to come down to did we make our own luck or did we or did you know some some bad bounces go against us and then as far as the program goes i think you have to look at other metrics i think competitiveness is a huge thing like as much as we want to win every game i'd much rather have a game have every game come down to the fourth quarter and if we don't win some i i'm okay with that as long as because just getting your butt handed to you is that's hard to deal with for me. If we're competitive and we don't win everyone, I can still go and support and feel good about being a fan. And then you should look at other metrics. Like I think, you know, are they continuing to produce NFL talent? I think is a significant metric of, of which way the program is going. Um, I, I do think, you know, uh, some of the analytics and stats and where they measure, as long as they're in the upper third of the NCAA, I think that's a good good sign. And I realize they're, they're you know, they're delivering on some of those, and they're not delivering on others. But but that's where uh, I think the litmus test or the bar should be set. Riley Nelson joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I get your point on schedules because uh, I don't think all the independent schedules are created equal. Maybe I'd have to break it down. I think the last two years are relatively similar. I think next year is going to be significantly harder than this year. Um 
I guess one thing is I watched all of these five games, but it's really getting driven home here. Maybe because a couple of them, you know, we're so caught up in the ending of the game, you don't look at all the stuff as seriously that comes before it. But that was another team that ran for 200 yards on BYU. That's five games in now. And BYU's 118th against the run in the country. And it's going to be hard to be anything better than mediocre if teams can run the ball on you like that. It might take some serious effort by the other phases in the other phases of the game just to get to seven wins if you're giving up that kind of yardage. What is the problem there? Yeah, that is a great question. And uh, I'd call out to anybody who has access to the film and can do this kind of analysis because, unfortunately, I don't have time. But I would love to see their production when they're putting four guys with their hand on the ground, a 4-3 versus a 3-4, because it seems to me that the 3-4, you know, Kyrus Tong is a beast and Lorenzo Fauteo, they have those guys at nose tackle. And so when if people are trying to run ISO schemes or straight downhill in the in the A gaps or even in the B gaps, right, they're running around the center guards or the guard center guards in, in that area. Teams have not had success, so they're not running straight at the teeth. But anytime they go B gap, so the guard tackle or off tackle or wider, there's there's significant trouble here and and uh, it's not so that but there's actually two aspects of this one is the three four versus the four three but then the second aspect is BYU prefers because guys like Chris Wilcox and Troy Warner you know are, are out uh and and they felt even coming into the season and then it's been compounded by you know Zane Anderson's out as well but guys in the second they feel light in the secondary so they always feel the need to keep two safeties back so the problem with it is when you have a three-man front and you're keeping two safeties high, yeah, you've got the four backers in the intermediate, but the problem is they're lined up four or five yards down the field, and as you run it off, you know, you run a run play and you're releasing linemen downfield, that means they're not getting touched, first touch at four to five yards down the field, which means average gains of six, seven, eight yards. And, and that's that. you're right, that is tough to live with because – let's assume that happens on first down. Now you're living in second short. Your entire playbook's open. Even if you fail there, you're in a third and manageable, and so your conversion rate on third down is really high. And, and yeah, well, this this BYU uh, defensive philosophy seems to be one of the force team, you know, is bend, don't break, and force teams to sustain drives. Well, the reality is they've been able to do that um, at, at a high enough clip that it's making it, you're right, it is putting immense pressure on the other phases of the game, on the offense and the defense uh, to produce. So uh, I I would like to see them, you know, get some four down front, get throw some, even some bear front, bears where you have, you know, the three down linemen covering up the guard center guard, then you have the two stand-up ends, and that it was made famous by the 1985 bears who were a beast against run, but they realized, like, if running is what everybody in the country would prefer to do because it takes the pressure off everybody else and it just makes it easy, you get in front of the sticks and it, and it makes life easy on the offense. So they have to find um, they have to find answers there. And I, I don't know that they have through the first five games, so I'd, I'd like to see them get creative and change it up a little bit as we head into this next slate. So... We know Jaron Hall is going to play in this next game. He's going to start, and it, decent timing with a bye week. From the coaching perspective, with several practices to go before the actual game, what would you be doing as a coach to get him as prepared as possible for the actual game? 
Yeah, we're the lucky. So during every bye week, college football teams do what's called a self scout, where they go back and they look at every game they played thus far in the season, and they try and identify tendencies. Not not only places where they're bad, but places where they're really good. And so you got to be locked in and know exactly where you're really good and what what. So where you've been really good with Wilson, and then you have to be really honest and truthful with okay, what can Jared? What of that? That subset of offensive plays can Jared execute? Excuse me, execute at a high, high level. And then the second aspect is a little bit of a risk, but you have to spend a ton of time with him. You have to go back to all his reps in fall camp and see, all right, what did he execute at a high level that maybe Zach didn't feel as comfortable with, or when Zach was in, we as an offense didn't have the right dynamics in place to execute. So the trick is not getting the onus is not on. Jaron so much now he has to prepare mentally and you know for the what he's going to face in South Florida and all those things but the onus is not on him to become Zach Wilson as quickly as possible the onus is more on the offensive staff to identify what he does well what the offense does really well and architect a game plan that gives him the highest chance for success because a kid in his first start you can't expect him to come in and run the same as a kid in his 12th start you have to make him feel comfortable on every play. And, and what I think that looks like, I think that looks like maybe a few more design quarterback runs. Um, I think it looks like a little bit more rollout play action, less less straight drop back out of shotgun. Hopefully, and, and this BYU team, the closest thing they've gotten under center is running pistol. So hopefully they, they have some kind of rollout, put the QB on the move game out of pistol. If not, I'd like to see him kind of under center. Um, and then putting, and then an aspect that Jaron Shorty did well in spring is you can put him out there with four and five wides, even empty sets. And because the defense is so spaced out, you give him kind of a one-two look. And if it's not there, you let him create with his legs and space. And I, if if I were the coordinator, that would be my that would be how I would be setting my bye week and the prep week going into South Florida. What did you think of the BYU running game with Tyson Williams hurt? How do you think they performed against Toledo, and how much help is that running game going to be to Hall as he tries to settle in? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I so between uh, Lopini Catella and Emmanuel Supa, they got 16 carries over the whole game, and so I, I really the jury's still out because they didn't give a, they didn't get a big enough workload or a big enough sample size for me to really see how those how those guys performed and. I gotta believe that that's because you know BYU. Unfortunately, they were playing from behind, so that's probably why they threw it. Uh, and even when they were able to tie or even take the lead, I feel like their game plan going in is they felt like they had an advantage uh, with the passing game versus the Toledo secondary. So they kept throwing the ball down the field. So I, the jury's still out for me. I didn't get a good enough look at what this uh, what this run game looks like, and I do think. Look, we talked about how BYU's inability on defense to be stout against the run makes it easier on other offenses. I think now the BYU offense has to make a commitment to the run game to make it easier on a freshman quarterback making his first start and at least commit commit to it for at least two and a half quarters and see what's going on there, You know, hoping and assuming that the game doesn't get out of hand in that time. But you have to commit to it, A, to see what you have, and B, it's your best chance at giving – a freshman in his first start, a chance to be successful. 
Everybody as an analyst, Riley, is looking for something that's going to set them apart. You, can, you don't even have to thank me. But when he makes his first great pass or his second great pass, I'm giving you full authority to say that is a phenomenal haul pass. Get it, Riley? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love it. Trademark, PK. I'll throw that in there, too. He's also made a prediction that it's what the hallways because – the whole the way, way. The way you win at BYU, the last quarterback to beat Utah, Max Hall, now it's Jaron Hall. The hallway, Riley. And now, DJ, I got to ask you, is he recycling these from when Max is trying, you know, the hall pass and the hall No, way, no, or, this or, is all, this is, this is new material. PK puts a crowbar okay. in his wallet once a decade and pays a writer to come up with some new stuff. <laughs> you got to be on cutting edge. I have some classic tunes that I play, but in order to still fill the arenas, you've got to come out with some new stuff. So this is new stuff, Riley. These are new Probably. tunes. Oh, we child mine. Judah, Judah, Judah. We'll make you get all the credit you deserve for this new material. Okay. <laughs> and you can pass it on to Rebel, too. All right. Sounds good. I'm sure Greg will eat it up. You know, he's a, he's a fan of that kind of stuff. Oh, big time, yeah. <laughs> Puns. Bring him on. All right. Thank you, Riley. Yeah, have a good morning, guys. There's Riley Nelson and his life of Riley this morning. Let's move on to our other favorite Riley, Riley Jensen. He's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Friday from 3 to 6 as Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio to discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pill, surgery, or needles. DJ and PK, it's time now to talk college football with Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. What's up, guys? Well, we got a bye week here, so we got a little time to ponder the meaning of life, or at least the meaning of college football. And I'm curious, when you watched <laughs> Utah blow Washington State out, did that tell you about more about the Utes and their response to USC, or did that tell you more that Washington State is just not a good team and you still have questions about the Utes? What were you thinking watching that? Well, I, I, think, it's a little, I think it's a little bit of both. I think Washington State's not not quite as good as we thought they were going to be. We thought we thought with the returning starters and the way this new quarterback was playing, they're going to be pretty good. But I think the the, the heavier response or the the weightier response is that the Utes played more like we thought that they were going to play. And the defensive backs obviously stepped up and played a great game. I thought 
I thought the stop by Jermaine Blackman on the goal line there at about the three yard line was a huge momentum play, and you know he's just been a really really good football player for you know the University of Utah for a number of years, and he's made the transition to safety, and I just I do think he's a good leader for them. I think he's the type of person that is resilient and can 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 flip that switch from you know the, the group not playing that great defensively against you know Southern Cal and then coming back and playing well. But I think if you if you really want to get down to it here, Tyler Huntley has been phenomenal, and I thought that the last game was the game that I've been begging for his whole career. Where where I've said in the past, I'd really like him to just play more authentic, meaning not trying to prove that he's a passer, not trying to prove that he's a runner, just playing football and doing what comes natural. And I thought it was the most natural game, the most authentic game that I've seen him play. And if he plays like that for the rest of the year, this team is really scary because he can he can run ball, he can he can throw the ball. I mean, he's always had a big arm. He's always been able to do great things, but I think sometimes we've just been a little bit wondering, like, why are you trying to prove that you can pass the ball? Why are you trying to prove that you can run the ball in this situation? And I thought he took what the defense gave him all game long. When they gave him the run lane, he took the run lane, and when they gave him the pass, he took the pass. And it was it was a really, really complete game for me to watch him play the way that he did. Agree 100%, Riley. Masterful performance. There's no doubt about it. He's playing at an elite level right now. And if he continues that, it may be a loss along the way. You know, while Washington game is going to be difficult. It's always going to be difficult under a Chris Peterson team to go up to Seattle and beat them now. And so we'll see how that plays out. That's a month from now. But I don't expect them to lose any other games. So then my question for you is, what is or what are the reasons for this increased in? effectiveness and how much of it maybe just boils down to the play calling that Ludwig is putting Tyler in a position to succeed and as a senior he's grasping that understanding and then going out and doing it well I I think you have to give a little bit of credit to Huntley in the sense that he's a senior he's got a lot of experience behind him now he understands what it takes to win football games and the way that he's taking care of the football is uh, not only is he playing aggressive and doing some good things in the red zone and doing some interesting things, but he's doing what the coaches want, which first and foremost with the coach Kyle Whittingham team is to take care of the football. So I think he understands that. He understands the value of that as a senior. And then I think that you cannot discount the fact that Andy Ludwig has done a great job of getting his eyes in the right place of allowing him to play a high percentage completion game, whether it's a big game where he's throwing for a whole bunch of yards or whether he's just throwing for a few yards, he's not hurting them in the pass game. In fact, he's helping them because he he completes a high percentage of passes. He doesn't throw interceptions. He can beat you with his feet, and now he's showing that he can throw touchdowns down the field. I think it's a good football team now. Like we said, I don't think Washington State's as good as we thought they were going to be. We want to see him do this against a really high-caliber team, but you know, all all signs are pointing to the fact that for me, he's going in the right direction, and this is the type of quarterback play that can win a championship for the University of Utah. Do you think they're getting improved receiver play, or do you think he's making the receivers better? Oh, 
Oh, I think the receivers are, are improved. Uh, the one thing that I've noticed about the receivers is uh, more of a willingness to not just catch the ball, but do something with the ball when they catch it. Um, I also think this is, this is what I think. And, and I, I got to hear a little bit behind the scenes with Troy Taylor. There were not as many fast rules or like hard, fast rules for quarterbacks and wide receivers in the Troy Taylor offense. And in other words, there was a lot of times where it was like, well, just run to the green grass right there and then, and then throw the ball to the green grass. And, to me, as an offensive coordinator, like that, that I don't understand that because you need to give hard rules to guys so that you can say that was right or that was wrong. If you're just saying like, oh, just run to the green grass, run to the area, it, it leaves a lot of ambiguity for both the quarterback and for the wide receivers. And I think because of Andy Ludwig and because of the fact that there's hard, fast rules, no, this is the route that you run against this situation. This is the route that you run against this situation. And if you don't, there's accountability. I think it's giving them more discipline in their routes, and it's giving them more freedom to actually make big plays because if you know you're running the right route and you catch the ball, like there's no second-guessing. There's no like, oh, was I supposed to be running to the green grass there? And so I think they can play a little bit more free, ironically, because they're more disciplined and there's more hard, fast rules for them to follow. And so I think they've improved their route running. I think they've improved their pass catching. And then what ends up happening is is now they feel confident about the route they run. Now, once they catch the ball, it's it's about making a play. And so I, I think that the wide receiver play improved. I think the quarterback play has improved. And as a result of this discipline on the offense, it's a little bit different than it's been in the past. We're seeing these guys be able to make some plays after they catch the ball. You're saying that you want to see Tyler Huntley do this against better programs, the elite level, the higher caliber. But when I look at their schedule, I only put Washington in that category. Right. Which, which to me is, is, you know, that's the litmus test for him is, is like, can you, can you replicate that kind of performance against the University of Washington? And look, we're talking about the Pac-12. So when, I, when I'm being critical of Washington State, it's because they're down a little bit. It's still a really good defense. It's still a really good team. It's not, I'm not trying to take away from the fact that that was a great performance. I just don't think they're quite as good as we thought they were going to be. And you're right. When you look through the rest of the schedule, Washington is an elite team. That's an elite defense. And if you, will, if you want to win a championship, you pretty much have to, you have to beat Washington and you have to beat USC in this conference right now. And and those are the two teams with maybe maybe you can sprinkle in Oregon there, but those are the those are the three teams that you gotta feel like you can beat them with great quarterback play. And I think right now the way Tyler Huntley's playing that they can't. And I think that they will be in a ball game against Washington. I know Washington's a good game, but the way Tyler Huntley's playing, the way he doesn't turn over the football, I think I think this is a big opportunity for the Utes to, to take advantage of great quarterback play, good defensive play, good solid special teams play, and really make a run this year. I, 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 I scratch my head about the USC game. I don't get it. I don't know, I don't know what happened. Um, it certainly wasn't Tyler Huntley. I, I felt like he played great in that game. Maybe, maybe it shook them a little bit that Moss got hurt, and it took them a little bit to adjust and and figure out what they were going to do. And then it was a little too late in that game. But USC will be a head scratcher to me. But there's always, 
in, in the Pac-12, it feels like there's always a head-scratcher loss, right? Like, every team has a loss where you're just like, really, they lost to that team? I didn't see that coming. And so it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out. But you got to feel good if you're a Utah fan right now just watching Tyler Huntley get better and better and better each game, and he is playing really good football right now. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What do you think of BYU now with their quarterback and uh, running back both hurt? Do they have the depth to handle some of the teams left on their schedule? What's your level of expectation for them going forward? Boy, it it feels all of a sudden, you know, you had a USC win, you had a Washington loss that you didn't love. I mean, mostly because they thought it was going to be a little bit more of a competitive game. And then all of a sudden, Toledo comes in and and really just kind of exposes BYU. It's so interesting to, to just think about the USC game versus the Toledo game and, and watch a team that looks undisciplined in ways and, and can't do certain things. And you're just like, wow, this it looks so different than the USC game. And I think that's got to be the frustration for a BYU fan is the, is the up and down of like of BYU right now. The injuries are going to be tough to overcome. I mean, Tyson Williams was a, was, you just got that feel that that was a legitimate running back. That, that was somebody that you could hang your hat on and you could run the ball. Um, the injury to, to Zach Wilson is a big one. I think, I think Jaron Hall is a very capable quarterback um, it'll be interesting to see if he's if he's got the savvy in the pocket to understand when to run and when not to run. Um, when he was in high school, um, when I watched him play, if there was a criticism that I had of him, and and this is something that could totally have changed me. He's been on a mission, and I'm excited to see what what will happen. Was he turned high school games into a backyard football game by scrambling around the field because he was the best athlete on the field. And then all the rules were broken and he could hit guys that were like, you know, on double and triple moves because he'd been scrambling around. When you get to college, it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to turn a defense into a backyard football game. And so you have to throw the ball on a no-step drop. You have to throw the ball on a three-step drop and throw, and you have to throw it on the three and a hitch. You have to throw on time. So my criticisms of him in high school will be difficult to overcome if he hasn't learned that lesson. My guess is is that he's been taught that and that he's getting better. We'll have to see how much better when Jaron Hall comes and plays quarterback. But this is going to be a tough haul. I mean, they've got a bye week. Uh, are they playing at South Florida? I think they are yeah. playing at South Florida. So, so you got the two time zones with a decent team that you're playing against. Then you come home, and I don't know if they go to Boise or a home, but then they're at Utah State. Um, those are difficult. Those two games right there are going to be huge for this program and huge for Kalani Sataki. And the pressure, I don't think, is off. I, mean, I feel like the pressure is kind of back on. You've got two injuries. You've got um, you know, some difficult teams coming up. And I would, I would just say this. Most people would say, well, God, I mean, you're almost got to be a little bit easy on him because they're injured, you know, because these injuries happen. But injuries happen every year to football teams. And if if you're not able to overcome and if you're not able to beat teams that 
that, and and for lack of a better term, should you know BYU fans feel like they should beat their contemporaries of Boise State, South Florida, and Utah State? There's nobody that I know that's a BYU fan who doesn't feel like they should beat Utah State. And although other people may feel different, the, the fan base, you know, the old guard, Tom Homo, those guys feel like those should be wins. And regardless of injury, that's going to be tough to overcome for Kalani if he doesn't win those games. And I'm not saying that he can't win those games, but I think the pressure is on right now. And we're going to see the response of this team uh, over these next three games. And I think the bigger problem than the injury might be that the D-line gives up 230 yards rushing a game. And I think they have the least amount of sacks in the country or they're, they're way down in the country as far as sacks and quarterback pressures go. So there's there's other problems on the defense that they've got to fix that I think are going to be really significant if some of those things don't change in the next little while here. So do you think BYU's program is in a bad spot, decent spot, good spot? It feels like to me that they're in a better spot than they were, obviously, two years ago. And, and it feels like they're trending upwards. But that could – that could I, I feel like they're teetering. Like, I feel like these – it's crazy that three games could feel like the direction of the program, right? But I do feel like right now it's teetering on which direction it's going to go. And I love Kalani. I think I think he's a great coach. I think if you sit down and you talk to him, not only is he fun to talk to, but he's super knowledgeable about the game. I think he's a good recruiter. I think he's good for these kids. But for whatever reason, things have just not come together as fast or as smooth or as easy as maybe everybody thought that it would. How much do you put this on the experience of the quarterbacks? Because I went and looked at – Travis Wilson and Huntley's record. I mean, I can run through the numbers for you, but it's night and day between their freshman and sophomore years versus what they've been able to produce their junior and senior years. You were talking about Huntley not turning the ball over. Well, his touchdown-interception ratio has improved every year. Last year they started a senior and then a freshman. Now they're starting a sophomore and a freshman. If they get to six and seven wins, to your point about feeling like the program's getting better, six or seven wins and you're bringing back sophomore and junior quarterbacks, you feeling good about that? Is that enough for you? Yeah, I mean, I I, I certainly feel good about Zach Wilson. It'll be interesting to see what, what Jaron Hall looks like over the next couple of weeks, next three weeks. Um and I and I do feel like that's trending in the right, you know, in in the right direction. Um, I've I've been surprised because a few years ago they recruited all kinds of defensive linemen that I just thought were just absolute studs. I've been surprised that the defensive line has not been better, that 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 the growth there hasn't taken place. Um, and you're right about quarterbacks. You know, they're going to get better as they get older. I mean, if you if you look at John Beck's career, I mean, when you look at his freshman, sophomore, junior years, like they're 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 just very very average statistics. And then his senior year, he was lights out. He was really 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 good. And I think when you, when you look at that, it does help if you have experience at the quarterback position. And Hungley is playing better because he's a senior and. I've heard you guys talk about it before, and I and I and I'm totally bought in on the fact that 
you know, when you have a junior or a senior quarterback with lots of experience under their belt, you have a better chance of winning just because quarterback plays better. But, man, uh, I mean, they've been hurting at the running back position for a long time, and they've, they've barely addressed it this year. Um, there's been some some other positions at wide receiver where you're wondering if there's anybody that's like a, a breakaway wide receiver, somebody who can stretch the field vertically. Right, I think there's lots of really good receivers there. I'm not sure that there's great, you know, like NFL type receivers there yet. And so, while I feel like the program is going in the right direction, I still think like there's big pieces that they need to to figure out and be able to put in place for them to be the program that they want to be. But you know, this is a tough haul and. I think some of the pieces that I'm putting together is because Tom Homo has not renewed his contract. That there's some things that he's saying, like, yeah, I understand that, Tony, but, right? And that's what he was waiting to see this year. And with a couple of key injuries, a quarterback and a running back, I think, I think this is a tough, tough three-game stretch right now for BYU. All right, Riley, we appreciate the time. Thanks for checking in with us. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Thanks. You guys are great. There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. When we come back, what is trending? Baseball playoffs. The American League wild card. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.